won't repeat what someone said and try and pass it off as my own thought moments after someone has just said it. <laughs> this episode. Very intriguing intro. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> and that's um, a promise. Sorry. Uh, hello, Red. Hello, Red. I mean, oh my gosh. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Jenny. Uh, welcome back to Janeway's Children. We are watching um, season two, episode three, Projections. It's been a while, but I'm glad we're back. We've managed to reconvene after illness and yes. migraines. And sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> or, or more to the point, if you if you listen to us uh, to be outraged, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right, should we dive straight into the one-minute summary? Oh, wait, yeah, one-minute summary, one cool thing, and initial reactions. What order should we take those things in? <laughs> I mean, is it accurate to call it a one-minute summary? Because no, it's I'm, never I'm... been accurate to call it that. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I, I was just going to say that uh, I would summarize this particular one as uh, hologrammatic technology being used to pose a unique Cartesian dilemma and also to offer Neelix the ability to claim to be the angel of death. Sorry, face of Very death. Very good. I would say I would summarize this as Natalie equals confused. <laughs> yeah. I, I like If you just watch the episode normally, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. When you have to make notes, oh, my Lord, <laughs> I was getting like, very wrapped up. Yeah. How would you uh, summarize it, Jenny? Walk the middle ground. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't prepare a summary. Are we, do- are we all doing summary? Three summaries? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I was just curious. And I hadn't prepared one. I was just sort of ad-libbing. It's just the regular format of Jamie, uh, Jamie doing a one-minute summary. So um, before we do our initial reactions, I wanted to share something I discovered when I was listening to my other favorite podcast. My dad wrote a porno, if you haven't listened. <laughs> Take a listen. I still need to listen to that. Um, but they mentioned, they have this kind of like re-listen highlights kind of episodes at the moment. And um, they mentioned that they got a call from an astronaut on the International Space Station because astronauts are allowed to make a call to anyone in the world. I don't know if it's every day or Mm -hmm. like once a week or whatever, but to support their mental health, they Mm. can like say, I want to speak to Beyonce. I want to speak to (laughs) Barack Obama or whatever. And NASA or whatever will organize the call. And this astronaut wanted to speak to the cast or the host of... (laughs) My dad wrote a porno podcast. So That's amazing. If you're listening from a space station, get in touch. <laughs> 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 oh. And we have the added benefit of actually being about space. So <laughs> we have a I, I think this is awesome. Um, how, how do you think we can boost our appeal to the astronaut? Should I sort of, I don't know, could I start reading erotica in a British accent that appeals to a unique subset of astronautica population? Would that work? That's one way. But I was thinking maybe just our regular podcast. <laughs> I mean, one feels they would have been touched. We, we've gone beyond what 95% of podcasts do and actually done a series of something. And, you know, it clearly isn't working. I feel we need to expand our appeal. <laughs> Yes, I think this is our, our 19th ap- episode or something, which does put us oh. on the 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2%. Whoop, whoop. But uh need to crack 500 listens. <laughs> 500? How many are there at the moment? Yeah. Or 89. Are you saying that if we get 500 listens, we get to talk to an astronaut? You no, will that's... give us permission to talk to an astronaut. 
sadly, that's purely up to them. So you won't give me permission to talk to them. I would. I wasn't saying what they. I just feel that I haven't spoken to one because you haven't given me permission, Red. You don't give me permission to speak to an astronaut if I meet one in the street. I give you permission, my full permission at all times. Really? Without even getting to five hundred listens? Whoa, cheap date. <laughs> <laughs> um. So back to the episode. Uh, projections. Yeah. Jenny, initial reactions, because I think this is like something, this was a good Doctor episode, so what did you think? Oh yeah, it was, but I, I might disappoint um, you guys because I, I wasn't one of my favourite Doctor ones. Um, I think this was a, a good a good starting one, but I think I, I prefer later ones. Uh, why wasn't it one of your favourites? Or I mean, you don't have to say. But... <sighs> I don't really know, honestly. I Yeah, I just wasn't very engaged. Um, what do you guys think? It, it all seemed to happen to the Doctor rather than... One of the things I, I've noticed about having watched ahead a few times is when there are specific Doctor episodes, and especially in sort of the one where he was Beowulf, he almost... There's a character evolution of him taking control if that makes sense, uh, and approaching a situation in a unique uh, and almost always characterful way, whereas this one, everything sort of happened to him more, and it was he was almost a passive participant, uh, albeit one in the very strangest of situations. I mean, there were mind-bending elements to it, of being a hologram within a hologram of, uh, you know, of a malfunction, uh, and the whole Cartesian dilemma slash inception premise of when do you know you've actually woken up or are in reality. Uh, but that's not really the Doctor and not really what I think of as a Doctor episode. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it, it has elements of the the whole cliche of and then I woke up and it was all a dream kind of, uh, you know, like it not necessarily progressing the story um, or the series, particularly in... Um, that might that might have been part of it. Mm. Yes, it's like I mean, it's but like you're hinting at that line at the end when Tuvok was like, "Oh, it's been six hours or whatever," and he's like, "Apart from the computer malfunction, it was a pretty normal day." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Jamie, you pick up on a very important point, like thing about how you know the good stories are the protagonist sort of is driving the action, not just having stuff happen to them and them reacting to it. I don't know. I think my life's a good story, but I'm definitely not driving the action. But, yeah, but yes, we're not we're not dramatic arcs in a in a movie. Or I a just series. have issues with unqualified generalizations and have to respond in literal terms. But yes, I agree with you, Red. But I yeah, my initial reactions was, as I said, fun to watch, difficult to summarize. <laughs> but um I did like some of the very little moments of acting from from the doctor. Like when he's really like starting to lose it, I thought it was good, but we'll we'll come back. Uh, yeah, sure. I like Neelix asking Kazon if he was ready to look death in the face while he threw stuff at it. Yes, that was quite a humorous scene. So, should we should we try get there with our with our um kind of what summary a discussion? Oh my gosh. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm feeling like I might be a bit scassy tonight. Oh my gosh, me too. But let's give it a go. Um, so the teaser opens, I think, and the doctor mater- is materialized or materializes an empty sick bay and no one is present. He's obviously annoyed because I think he doesn't quite understand why he's been summoned. Um, 
And he, I guess the, the kind of whole point of the scene is that he's activated automatically. He tries to like uh, call a bridge, a call, you know, see who's on board. Hmm. Uh, and the computer tells him that there is no one on board. So he's like, he's like something like, the, you mean the ship's empty? And the computer's like, affirmative. So a pretty, I would say, I would, I could kind of relate, not relate. That's not the right word. I've never been on an empty ship and lost in space. Empathize. But like, empathize. Yeah, that, to that sensation of like, well, I don't know, waking up or coming somewhere and everything that you, everyone you expect to be there is not there. So that was like a, a kind of a mysterious opening. Um, but we go to act one and there's a couple of things that the doctor discovers. I think he finds a log from Captain Janeway. But there's no one aboard, no warp core, no systems online, including waste management, at which point he cuts off the computer because it's like, I guess, <laughs> but that was quite funny. Um, all the escape pods are ejected, so there's no humanoids aboard. And he has a little classic sarcastic moment. Well, I'm glad everyone bothered to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love how there's always a degree of resentment from the doctor of, oh, nice of them to keep me involved. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just a deep-seated resentment. Exactly. So all this uh, is for for a hologram. He has a chip on his shoulder, I guess. Someone. Um, but uh, at that point, I think he's contemplating deactivating himself and leaving a log. But suddenly, there's like some noise. He acts very scared um, <laughs> for, for a hologram mm. again. Uh, and Taurus like forces her way into sick bay, I guess, uh, through like you know manually opening the door. Mm. And tells him that he has to go help Janeway, who's on the bridge. <laughs> and she sh- shares that they were attacked by Kazon, uh, who tr- who so everyone on the escape pods got tracked by a Kazon ship, which honestly sounds pretty horrifying to me. If you think you're about to make an escape, mm, especially given some of the interactions with uh, young Tuvok in preceding e- episodes. Uh, yeah, remind me. Uh, where Tuvok goes out to honour the spirit of his father uh, and runs into a kid, Kazon, who... Oh, Chakotay, yes, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, what's wrong no. with me? Chakotay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no. Um, and then I, brain fart. <laughs> I honestly kind of skipped over this book when I was watching, but then, so, Torres wants to send the Doctor to the bridge. The Doctor, I guess, is like, how am I going to get there? Because he's confined to sickbay. She's like, oh, we've been testing out these holometers on key floors or key whatever, so we'll yeah. be able to transmit you. <laughs> but you'll be extra vulnerable because it's all a big experiment. I don't know. <laughs> so, mm. Uh, mm. He, he does get sent off, and Taurus is like, good luck. And I'm sure he says something sarcastic, like, I mm. it. Um, but then he lands on the bridge, and what are his first impressions? I mean, disaster zone. Everything's well, trashed before, and... Yes, but he does say, well, it's bigger than I thought, which again, I thought was a little comedic moment. Um, yep. yep. But um, the first person, so in Act 2, he's um, going to help Janeway and then Torres and then he gets summoned to um, help Neelix. But the first person that he takes a pulse of on the bridge looked like Harry Kim. I mean, you can just see the back of him, but I'm like, is Harry Kim? I mean, I only noticed this the third time I watched, so I think maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> um, but he manages to help Janeway. Um, and at this point, he keeps going on about the tricorder or the, the tricorder not working or not picking up life signs. Is this supposed to be a clue? Because I never quite figured out the tie-in. Well, because if his tricorder is not scanning a human, 
then the thing that he's scanning is not a human and is presumably a hologram. So it's sort of the first hint that the things he's coming across aren't what they seem to be, except he puts he, When he scans himself later, he picks himself up as human. So why can't these hologram tricorders pick up the hologram characters? I mean, there, isn't, there that, is isn't that part enough. of the hologram that he's in? Uh, sorry, the, yeah. uh, the... Because the... What's it called? I can't remember the name. The, oh, the, hol- the hologram program is supposed to be the him program, being a live person in a malfunctioning hologram that's, you know, destroying the ship or something mm. of I, that. I, I, think uh, okay. like, I think that's part of the confusion, though, because initially, mm. if you're, you're trying to guess what's going on, initially you're like, oh, right, well, um, mm. possibly he's in a holo program because he's not picking up their life signs, so they are holograms. and you, mm. But you don't want to... You don't want to give it again, the game away too soon, so then mm. it confuses things more when you find out. Oh, he's showing up as real and and not a hologram, and and then it's utter mm. confusion. <laughs> yes, yeah. like, that is what that that is what I was um, mm. wondering. Um, so he does manage red to, herring. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a good yeah, it's a good clue, I guess. But um, mm. I was a bit confused, as I said many times already. So he does manage to help Janeway. I think he brings up to speed about the Kazon. Um, mm. uh, and he's about to help her with some uh, repair uh, on the bridge when there's this frantic call from Neelix in the mess hall. Well, frantic. I can't really remember. <laughs> uh, and so he gets, so the doctor gets transferred to the mess hall to help Neelix, where we come across in this very entertaining scene, which, Jamie, I feel like you will be able to describe very well. Um. Well, it is effectively Neelix. Uh, I mean, I think the only adjective is bullying this Kazon by throwing things at this heavily armed Kazon, uh, asking him how it feels to stare death in the face, um, while the Kazon inexplicably doesn't turn his uh, phaser rifle, well, not phaser rifle, but uh, rifle onto full auto and hose him down, which (laughs) would be an action we could all get behind. I did like the... Um... And I noticed that no one says that's not an action we could all get behind, which is telling. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the, some of the name-calling. I think he called the Kazon a pus hog at one point, which was a very creative. I mean, that that could be a really cute sort of cat-like creature, for all we know. Right? <laughs> we shouldn't, you know, draw conclusions beyond human cultural mores and uh, <laughs> extrapolations. Well, uh, what did I hit? Could have been a really aggressive love scene. Yes. Okay. I did enjoy. I did enjoy the moment when Neelix pops back up, and I wish um, I could do impressions, but I can't. But he was like, "Missed me." <laughs> like the, the Kazon um, <laughs> missed him in some way or other. I can't remember. Yes. Um, uh. Is it at this point that the Doctor has that hilarious stunt where he like dives between those like kind of win- <laughs> like a window, but it's like um, and it's like yes. like legs <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I thought that was very entertaining. Uh. Yeah, it's it's always entertaining when the doctor gets to do action moves. I mean, I use the stunt. I wouldn't have called it a stunt, but since listening to a lot of um, these rewatch uh, podcasts, it turns out anytime an actor does something that's re- not really just standing and talking, it's considered a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> so they are not in mortal danger, and it's like, oh, I got to do my own stunts. I got to fall down. That was me falling down, or whatever. You're like, mm. okay, houses. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't have to call the stunt person for that. Um, but 
and also there was that kind of funny moment when Neelix thinks he's been injured, but it's just some kind of um, tomato sauce. But then it turns out actually the doctor is bleeding, which mm. is <gasps> which is a though. real weird thing because he's a hologram. Dun, 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 the plot thickens. Yeah, so he's like, send me back to sickbay, I'm bleeding. Um, and in sickbay, he realizes he can feel pain and he's has life signs. So when he runs a diagnostic, he discovers that he is Lewis Zimmerman, the ship's medical officer, chief medical officer. Not um, can we just take a moment to appreciate how much of a, the doctor's name Lewis, Lewis Zimmerman is? I just think it's a perfect name for someone who looks and acts like the doctor. That's true. Why mm. don't you just choose that name for <laughs> It does suit him. Um, but this is all according to the computer. And so when he's looking at the computer, looking at the file on uh, Lewis Simon, he has that very funny line. I don't know if you remember it. <laughs> uh, where he's like, he looks a lot like me. He looks exactly like me. Computer, is this me? Where <laughs> <He sounds laughs> <really laughs> I see <laughs> Uh, he sounds very like confused at that point, which fair <sighs> enough. Um, then Janeway enters with the Kazon and I think Neelix and Torres. Uh, that they've, I guess it's the Kazon from the mess hall. Hmm. And uh, the doctor's kind of explaining what's going on. And she's like, oh, maybe it's these new hollow emitters. Maybe they're messing up. Um, uh, and when she tries to shut down the doctor's program, it doesn't work. And then she shuts down all the programs. And what happens? Everyone disappears apart from the doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All Janeway, Torres, Neelix, and the Kazon vanish. And exactly. suddenly our connection with reality and faith in the plot that we use as our link to it is mercilessly dashed. Mm. Explain. <laughs> well, I mean, we all have the assumption that the doctor is a hologram and that everything up to this point has been as we have understood the doctor being a hologram on the original star trek voyager and this being a situation in which he is the hologram and everything else is reality but then that link to that reality is dashed by the fact that all holograms have been shut down and only the doctor is left which means by definition he is not a hologram and thus our previous reality and its solidity is distorted and disrupted. Ah, almost as if it's kind of giving the viewer the same sensation that the of doctor's going experiencing. going down that Cartesian rabbit hole. Mm. Oh, Losing yeah. your goddamn minds. <laughs> Sorry. I do saying? think this is where it kind of... The problem is that you find this happens what feels like quite early on to me, and then I think this is where it immediately gets a bit... Because you know there's some kind of, um, like dream or fake reality or parallel universe or something going on and the only character that um is really in this isn't is in fact the doctor who we know actually is a hologram and <laughs> not a real human so i think that's why i sort of disengaged a bit um because you find that out quite early on um that's maybe part of it i quite like the, the sort of later episodes where you do get one of the characters stuck stuck on board and they don't know what to do and they're on their own i think there's one with janeway later on where she's a sort of lara croft tomb, yes. tomb raider type yes. of figure. or maybe maybe uh, the alien i don't know i never um, really watched that movie uh, but i've seen sort of clips from it. anyway I, I really enjoy those ones um but then they are based in reality like some some kind of shipwide disaster has happened and then it's resolved um 
well, when I say reality, obviously science fiction, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's still part of the overall like story arc of Voyager. Um, so yeah, that might be why I struggled a little bit with this, even though, you know, there's loads of Doctor, which I normally love. I mean, it's, I mean, I do, I do hate the cop out of at the end of some films where they're like, and they woke up and it was just a dream. Like, um, I think that happens at the end of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And honestly, I found that very disappointing because I really wanted to believe in a flying car, yeah, <laughs> not a yeah. dream flying car. <laughs> and also, it's a film. It can be real. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, I, think, uh, I think I get what you're saying. But, and also, I guess at this point, you kind of know that it's all happening in his mind or in a computer's mind. So Yeah. It's a really tenuous link to any kind of reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, to the, the reality of star trek voyager which in itself is not mm. reality <laughs> this is very confusing and um, my brain hurts well, the purposes of this podcast <laughs> we can treat it as reality yeah. <laughs> the reality of that yeah um okay so now we're moving into act three we're going at quite a pace uh i know we have the summary but i had to make a lot of notes in between because i found that in the end i found the summary this is one, of those, okay, Reg, it's one of these episodes it. where like it's trying to summarize the things are happening in a specific order so um but feel free to jump in but uh it is funny wait again i just think he had these little lines which i thought were really funny because now he's like computer what happened to captain janeway torres mr Nelix, and the kazon because <laughs> he's just like clinging on to sanity yeah. barely he's like yeah, and that's that link with sanity that's shutting off the holograms destroyed yeah and then he kind of the computer's basically telling him that all his characters are all those people are characters uh, stored in the hologram um, mm. or in a bunch of holograms. And so he's like, okay, what is going on? And at this mm. point, a new character appears. Any comments? Rich. Yes. Yeah. So they, they, he's now identified himself as supposedly he is Lewis Zinnemann, the original, the real life one. Um, and that he's in a malfunctioning holo program. And uh, the program's created by Reg Barkley on Jupiter Station. Yes, at this point, this guy appears, Reg Barkley, who he, I think he said he's like kind of beamed into this malfunctioning hologram program. <laughs> and we're kind of supposed to believe the Doctor is this human being who's actually out on the space station somewhere. Hmm. So no idea of Voyager or anything like that. Uh, and we also find out that he has a wife. Well, it's hinted <laughs> that um, uh, he has a wife that does lead to some humor later on. <laughs> uh, and basically this Reg Barkley character... Who does anyone recognize him? Because I did not recognize him, but did anyone watch the A Team? Yes. He's from the A Team. Oh no way! Which character is he? He's like that crazy, crazy character. I need to rewatch he, he, the A Team. Oh my goodness! Is he seriously? Yes, is I think he ha- so. Howling Mad? Uh, is it Murdoch? Uh, no, that's the guy. Or maybe I don't know the character names in the A Team. Hang on, hang on. A crazy guy. <laughs> just, just look up A Team. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to look up. Yeah, he's Captain Howling Mad Murdoch. Oh my goodness, he's William David Schultz. Yes, yes. Howling yes. Mad Murdoch. Oh, I... what? A... No, carry on, sorry. No, I was going to say, what an absolute cultural icon. Well, the only reason I knew that, because I did not rec- I didn't like pick it up with my own brain, but then uh, when I was listening <laughs> to some podcasts, they were like, yeah, he went on to do very well and... Uh, or probably he had already had a career. I don't remember the yeah. 2018. But that's, yeah. that's really ironic, though, that he basically stars in an episode in which the uh, oh that's such a cool nod actually in which the doctor is doubting his sanity because one of the things that his character in the a-team would do would be to pretend to be insane 
to basically oh, yes. avoid capture by being in you know hospitals for the insane. Yes. So that's a really cool nod. I like that. Yeah, Ooh. Jenny, you shook your head when we asked, "Have you watched the A Team?" Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I do. I mean, I've heard of it, but that's oh, my knowledge. I do think I do think that actor is great though as that character. Um, yeah, I mean, so he's got he's got if I'm remembering correctly, he's the one with lots of crossover, isn't he? So he's in. Um, uh, what's uh, I'm getting confused between my Star Treks, the one with like Will Riker and um, Deanna. Ah, yes, Next Generation. Um, Mm. Is that next gen, right? So yeah, so he's in that, and then um, he's got this whole story arc about hollow um, addiction. Yes, um, <laughs> and then he crosses over quite a few times into Voyager, and and like there's this whole thing later on about where he sort of helps and get back to Earth and all kinds of things. Um, so yeah, I quite is it, this is the first time that we see him in, in Voyager. Voyager? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean. I enjoyed that because I think he's he's great his character and his acting. <laughs> yeah, he. I'm sure he's a well loved um, character, and just fun fun that he has that um, link to the A team. So he's kind of trying to explain everything to the doctor. The doctor's like, "You mean the last six months have been a simulation?" And Park is like, "Not six months, six hours." And he's trying to tell the doctor that he's got hollow transference dementia syndrome. I wrote that down. <laughs> so kind of, but he's basically stuck in this hologram. Then they had that hilarious slapping scene. Did anyone else think that was funny when they were trying to prove to well, each I other that they were people human? slapping each other is always funny. <laughs> okay. So you're preaching to the choir here. Uh, but as a slightly more sophisticated humor palette, how did you take it, Jenny? I've got to say, I did not get on board with many of the comedic elements of this episode in particular. <laughs> like, I found them mostly like, mm. um, I mean, maybe it was more the mood I was watching it. <laughs> like, but mm. I'm more sort of, um, I was a bit impatient with them rather than sort of finding them funny. The similar with the Neelix thing. I'm, I'm sorry to say the, the fruit throwing and, and things. And um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, each to their own, I guess. Uh, it, it just didn't hit my funny bone. No, no problem. But um Fair enough. Um, but at that point, Barkley kind of beams back out or holograms back out. He's like, I need to discuss this with the mm. others. Um, and the doctor at that point notices that he's hungry, though he's not really sure what for. So that's another new sensation for the doctor. Although he does get hungry in another episode. I just remember Jenny when he swaps bodies with seven of nine. Oh, oh. and then he's like stuffing his face. And drunk. <laughs> oh, I think so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then it doesn't so Reg is explaining that um he's basically giving him a choice between playing out the program um or facing destruction. Um Yeah. So when he comes back, yeah, exactly. Mm, as the holodeck is rapidly deteriorating. I'm just reading your, your <laughs> notes as well here, Red. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. doctor has to decide basically if he's gonna like um blow up the ship is what the character Reg is supposedly asking him to do um, yeah. to destroy the holodeck program um, in time to actually save himself from this um, dementia, which will yes. eventually kill him if he doesn't do something to end the holodeck. And in fact, program. we find out he only has an hour, according to Barkley. Like, mm. um, so exactly. So time is running out. As you always, uh, as you say, Red, there's always a time is running out feature. Like, <laughs> this is the format. So they get into some kind of scrape, and then at some point there'll be something that happens. That actually makes this great, you know, time. <laughs> there's a there's a thing which says, and now got to get out of the scrape in a set amount of time. 
Yes, exactly. I, I mean, I, I've watched millions of episodes of TV, politely ignorant to this uh, tactic or whatever. And then when I became more interested in like kind of writing, um, and then there's something that you kind of learn about. And I was like, no, you can't help seeing it. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> the clock has started ticking now or whatever. Yeah. Um, so moving, we're going pretty quickly. Right? So moving into Act 4, uh, the Doctor is very uncertain about this Mm. Uh, order to destroy Voyager and he's like kind of questioning Barclay's authenticity because as he points out and as we know if you've ever watched Star Trek this could be like an elaborate alien plan mm. yeah. um, I did enjoy the amount of um, like testing and questioning that yeah. the Doctor went into to try and like his immediate immediate stance is uh, well clearly you're some kind of alien imposter and this is all nonsense and then and then you know he there's a lot of proving yeah. that has to be done. So um, I did enjoy that element. I feel like I'd probably be like the same. <laughs> yeah, so he I'm, does. It's very sceptical. <laughs> takes nothing on sort of faith, and I, I like that. That's very doctorish. Yeah, so I think the first experiment he does, uh, kind of at Barclay's suggestion, is scan the room with the tricorder, and then you can see that beyond the walls it is a hollow grid. I think is that mm. the first um, thing? Uh, but the doctor's still not convinced because he's like, you could kind of fudge these readings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. so then Barkley says that. Fudge. Barkley... <laughs> they don't use that term in uh, Star Trek lingo. Um, <laughs> so the next test or the next bit of evidence that Barkley gives is to throw him back to the beginning of the simulation. Oh, so... yeah. Yeah. So he's he's basically convincing him that everything he remembers from voyager's journeys was actually a simulation as well uh, and um because he's taken him back to the beginning basically yeah it's kind where, of one of the opening scenes he he encounters the captain for instance moments before they're beamed off by the caretaker and <laughs> gives her with some enjoyment oh you're about to be beamed off tortured and probed and uh by being called the caretaker uh moments banjo man years. Sorry? Mm. Or Banjo Man. <laughs> banjo Man, yes. Uh, exactly right. Um, and also, just before that, he's kind of in sickbay and uh, mm. Tom and Harry Kim are there. And um, I just thought there was a kind of funny nod to <clears throat> Dr. Arady, even in this kind of stressful situation, being annoyed by Tom Paris. And then because at this point, he <laughs> thinks he programmed him. He's like, did I program him to be that annoying? <laughs> um, they can't. They love to just throw that in. Oh, sorry. I'm losing my voice. I, I have, however, tangentially discovered uh, a piece of information which is relevant to a question which we raised earlier, uh, although only in the chat. Because in response to your uh, suggestion, they may not have used the term a fudge. I, for viewers who cannot see, typed, does anyone ever say fudge in Star Trek? And it transpires that someone says Jabulian fudge at some stage. Oh, uh, yes, I have heard of that. She can be made to make cake. Yes. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Is that in, like, Deep Space Nine? I feel like that's a Deep Space Nine thing. Um, I My information ends here because I was focused on the subject matter at hand. <laughs> I feel like there's a, a specific episode where someone has a blue Jabalian fudge cake. Um, <laughs> wow. Like a birthday cake. And then there's some, really, there's some really weird, freaky dream <clears throat> episode where... Um, Oh no! I'm thinking. I've got to put next gen on the, the brain tonight. I'm thinking of a next gen one again, where um, <laughs> it's Deanna, and then she, she's 
becomes the cake and the dream and then someone was slicing yes. into her. It's really freaky. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Honestly, they yeah, did go into some very psychologically disturbing topics on Next Generation. I, I, I was yeah. going to go somewhere a bit less disturbing and ask, of all the food that one comes across in the entirety of Star Trek, is there any that leaps out as immediately delicious and appealing that you'd want to try eating? Yes, the ice cream sundae that you can make on the replicator. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Such a gimme answer. Um, a banker answer, but a gimme answer. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure to... there is. I think about it. I mean, I like what they do. They sometimes just like put a out of space spin on something. So it'll be mm. like tomato sauce made with tomatoes from a specific planet. Or mm. So you, or uh, um. So it's kind of relatable. So it doesn't always necessarily always seem that different. I think the Klingons eat food that moves. I don't think I want to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe that hedonistic planet. Probably the food there is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think the final, well, maybe the, I think it's the final plan or penultimate plan. <laughs> the doctor is like, I need to confirm my true nature. I need to destroy the main holographic core, which I don't know what that is, to, <laughs> to prove his own existence. So I think this is like the that holds all the holographic knowledge of the ship and all the programs mm. and everything. Mm. But we are going to be... Yeah, go ahead. I did wonder about that plan because I was, I was thinking, would that actually prove anything though? Because if he's in the hologram, the, the holoprogram, the holoprogram would have its own fake holograms. Um, yeah. Holo generator, and it's not the holo program's holo generator that is generating him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point, guys. No <laughs> idea what Jamie just said, but good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, we have like kind of another red herring, whatever, or clue because he's immediately able to leave sickbay and he doesn't dematerialize. So then he's like, well, I shouldn't be able to do that because these holo emitters that we're experimenting with are offline. Mm. So you're like, okay, what is the truth here? Um, mm. and and then he runs he goes they go to engineering which i guess is where this hollow core is and that's where they have this kind of scene the smug scene of janeway where he basically predicts what's about to happen to them in mm. three minutes yep um mm. and so he does manage to destroy the hollow matrix but he still exists so and the ship still exists and then mm. I think he has this scene, which reminds me a lot of me speaking to my Google speaker. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah. computer, please tell me why I still exist and why the ship still exists. The computer's like, <laughs> I don't understand your question. What are you asking? <laughs> and he's just like, kind of losing his mind at the computer, which I could relate to. Um, and I think at this point, um, Barking is just like, you need to destroy the warp core. That's the only way to bring an end to this program. He's really obsessed with this destroying... Mm. Gonna, is this the bit where the actual because I feel like because we, we're kind of almost near the end but this yeah. is the first time that the reality actually comes in is when Chakotay now appears this is the first actual yes. real, realistic this is Chakotay actually coming in to say Barclay's lying don't destroy the warp core exactly mm. exactly um, so I just wrote in my notes oh lord because I felt I really feel for the doctor at this point <laughs> Um, and yeah so as you said Chakotay has been projected into the holodeck and the doctor's like that sounds familiar because that's the same story Barkley gave him I guess Hmm. Um, 
and that destroying the simulation would end the doctor's program. So I guess now having certain time to think about one guy's like trying mm. to save the program, the other guy, Chakoti's like, no, if you do that, you'll you know, end your program. And at this point, the doctor's like, just tell me what you want me to do. And I really did. I did feel for him there. I really did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it's so much pain, psychic pain. Uh, he just doesn't know what to do. And I, I guess that is actually a very difficult position for him to be in. He's not mm. used to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's used to certainty of diagnosis and uh, treatment, which is, I mean, that's what he's programmed to do. He's not programmed for cases of an uncertain meta. Yeah, uh, but Chakotay says, like, just don't do anything, we're on it. And then his kind of this delusion continues, and um, Barkley's there, and Kes, who's kind of as his <laughs> wife, and she's now also telling him to, like, save himself. Mm. Uh, and I think I did really like this moment or this line where there's this kind of um, maybe almost like angel and demon or whatever, you know, like these two people trying to persuade Con- the doctor consciences. to... Con- mm. Yeah, and the Barkley's like, how would you prefer to think of yourself as a human with a family or like as a hologram lost in space? Yeah. And is like, you're our friend, like, it's not really about what you prefer, it's just like uh, what you are. Mm. Um, and yeah, very, um, I just interesting thoughts there, I thought. Um, and then kind of used to have this moment where the doctor seems to be kind of coming out of this dream or whatever. Mm. Uh, and he is complimenting Kez, who he thinks at that point is his wife. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, and he's basically saying something along the lines of, can't believe I told you you were beautiful or something, words to that effect. Yeah, he does say, I always wanted to tell you kids that you're beautiful or something. Yeah. Um. And as he comes out, I think he's in the sick bay and Kim and Tubaka there and they're saying like, like they're kind of reiterating what Chakotay said and uh, it's actually been a very slow day apart from this computer malfunction. And everything seems to be back to normal and the doctor's sits down to carry on with his work and pretend he didn't say anything embarrassing to Kez. <laughs> and then she, there's a very funny moment happens. Or I mean, not really funny. Funny for the viewer, but probably yeah. a nightmare for the other doctor. Yeah. Anyone want to explain it? Go ahead. Uh, well, um, effectively from a moment where we think that we are safe and back in reality, um, Kez playfully questions the doctor on uh, oh, so you don't think I'm beautiful? Uh, and uh, the doctor responds, well, I, I was under a great deal of stress, and obviously we worked together. You're extremely attractive in a platonic way. And Kes goes back to him, I know we've been having problems in our marriage, but I still... Uh, uh, and suddenly the dial is twisted from everything is normal back to, oh, heavens, are we even further down the rabbit hole? Yes, exactly. She's like, <laughs> so I guess our marriage really is over. He's <laughs> like, oh, my God. And Barkley's back, and then he has this weird, like, dream-like sequence, and kind of he's the doctor is treating himself on the table of a bunch of. Um, but this all wraps up with Janeway kind of like calling him out of this dream or whatever, and they're standing on the hollow deck, but it's with no hollow program running, so mm. it's like just the the uh, grid pattern. Yeah, always reminds me. This is so random. But you know that kind of it's lattice that kind of surrounds the yeah. color deck. 
Mm. We used to have this big sign that we had to put up at recruitment fairs that was like way <laughs> big, like three times bigger than everyone else's signs and was like really heavy or whatever. But the back, the back <laughs> or the, so the structural support of that sign looks exactly like the hollow grid. <laughs> so what you're saying is this entire episode has been a recruitment episode by your tax firm? Because, yeah. like, you know, chapeau, terrifying, but chapeau. Oh, yeah, exactly. I always think it looks a bit like a, some kind of 80s um, computer game. 80s simulation or the what they thought a simulation computer game would look like in the 80s yeah that is probably exactly what it is <laughs> uh i do i do find it hysterically funny um that it's then a case of exactly what you said to uh, jenny of and it was all a dream and that's how we explain it yeah i feel like that happens a few times as well so like Mm. You go back, you're like, oh, and it's a dream, and now we're out of it. And then there's a bit more mm. um, screen time, and then that happens again. And then, like, I just, yeah, I really struggle to engage with this one, even though I, I love the Doctor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I had the same struggle. But, it, like, when I watched it, I was always, like, I felt like it was going to be quite long because I knew, like, all the twists and turns. So I was like, how are we going to get to that? How are we going to get to that? <laughs> like, yeah. So, um uh, yeah, I think there's I can relate a bit to that. Uh, but he's on the holodeck now. With um, and Janeway's like, do you know who you are? And he's like, uh, I'm that emergency medical hologram, right? <laughs> <laughs> like he's lost a bit of confidence there. And yeah. Tez is my assistant or whatever, not my wife. And people are like, your wife. <laughs> um, but he kind of returns to duty, and then we just have this little button i don't know if it's a button but uh it's kes and the doctor in the sick bay and uh, mm. she's kind of like oh we were married she's like please don't ever tell me like because you'll yeah, tell us it'll be, but then then she's a little bit mischievous it'll, it'll be our little secret as though if neelix is ever not there yeah exactly um <laughs> and he he has also she he has that question about like i was malfunctioning why mm. do my my brain for lack of a better word Create this whole crazy delusion. Um, <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, we, you know, I'm always asking myself, why am I here? What am I here for? But then she says something like, I can't remember, but he says, well, I'm the doctor and I'm here to do this. And she's like, are you sure? Which again, kind of hence yeah. to them being married or something. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Yeah. But he does do a final test at the end to just sanity check. <laughs> when he sticks his arm out the door and his arm dematerializes. Yeah. Mm. I kind of a... thought her question about um, are you sure was more about um, him saying I know what my function is in the world and like human beings human beings always searching for what, what's the meaning why am I here what's yeah. the purpose mm. um, whereas he, he as a hologram he knows why he's here because he was built with a function in mind but I guess I see that as her questioning just because someone created you with a function in mind, does that mean that that is your function and that is why you're here? Exactly. Can you Very change what your function is? Very good point. Yeah. I think the whole the doctor's whole point of existence is that he does. Well, certainly in this who moment, knows. he does. I mean, open-ended question. <laughs> okay, I do not know, so I will not say. Well, maybe that will tie us into themes, Jamie. So, any major themes that stood out? Or... Uh, still struggling to get past my... Oh, uh, God. 
I, I feel like I'd actually get on really well with Neelix in person as he's a bit of an idiot <laughs> like me, but I just can't stand him as a character on screen. That's so funny. Uh, so your I, theme I is... Have some, I have some sympathy with that in this this episode, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. No, I mean, I, it's, it's a marvellous sort of exploration of the same sort of what is the nature of reality ground that... Uh, films like The Matrix and Inception um, mm. all sort of use um, taking advantage of the Cartesian dilemma but uh, yeah it, I don't know I mean because of the fact that it's effectively in terms of the Star Trek universe a bit of a storm in a teacup a lot of stuff seems to be happening <laughs> but as Tuvok says you're out for a couple of hours it has otherwise been an uneventful day and May you explain, sorry, I should have asked this at the very beginning, the Cartesian dilemma <laughs> for me uh, and other listeners who sorry, so need a refresher. The Cartesian dilemma is named after a French philosopher called Descartes. I'm a very pretentious human being, so I like to mention stuff like That's this. That's why people like, listen. So, sorry? That's why people uh, listen. <laughs> yeah, uh, throwing stuff at the wall as they do listen. Um, but they, basically, the Cartesian dilemma was posed by Descartes, who tried to reason his way out of the question, how do I know that what I'm experiencing is real, mm. as opposed to a hallucination conjured up by a malevolent demon? Uh, and he thought around this question, he thought around this question, he thought around this question for an inordinate amount of time. Um and the Cartesian dilemma is the challenge in proving reality to yourself. So yeah, a, a precise parallel, a good. Um... Hmm. Why does it? I have a question. Why, a movie why does it? Stars Leonardo DiCaprio, just in case you're. All... <laughs> <laughs> but but Jake, why does it have to be a malevolent demon? Yes. <laughs> this is the question I've always wondered. <laughs> viewed it through the prism of the religious mores of the times. Like ah, now, okay, a Cartesian okay. dilemma doesn't need to be uh, a malevolent demon. Um, Could just be a delusion, like yeah, no... yeah. How do I know I'm not dreaming? Or a computer simulation nowadays. I guess that's the Matrix. And question. and mm. Natalie went to the Matrix. It's well, all the Matrix, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which is precisely <laughs> the Cartesian dilemma. Yes, I remember learning about this at some point and being like, I can't spend much more thinking about this, otherwise I'm mm. going to drive myself crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which takes me to the theme which is like how painful it is when you can't trust the evidence of your own eyes or your own experience. Uh, mm. And you have yeah. multiple people, uh, you know, trying Star to influence Trek you. Is gaslighting the doctor. It's pretty, it's pretty tough. I would say. Mm. It looks mm. pretty tough. That's what I mean. Jenny, anything to add? No, I just, yeah, to me, it's just about dreams versus reality, isn't it? And, um, then, then the sort of little bit about you know, as Kez alluded to at the end, the purpose, you know, your purpose in life. It's a very philosophical one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Speaking of dreams, do you have um, fireplace on your list of must-haves for your house? It was. Oh, it's on yeah. a. Um, it's not on a must-have. It's on a one of those you know nice-to-haves. Yes. Extra say- bonus. I'm just asking because a few days ago I saw, I was watching a YouTube video, um, this interior design influencer that I follow, and she just casually was sitting in front of a f- lit fire. Um, <laughs> and oh, she lives in Washington. 
And I was like, oh my God, she is living the dream. Uh, so if I may request that you could get a fireplace, I would be very pleased. <laughs> but at least oh. when I visit, I can uh, have that experience. Um, sorry, nice. that was a huge tangent. Uh, star player. Well, I mean, I top it... gaslighting from Reginald Barkley. <laughs> I think it has to be the doctor for me. Um, the obvious choice, I know. But uh, he did do a great job, especially as you said, read that scene where he just can't take it anymore and he just wants someone to tell him what to do. Um, that was well acted. Hmm. Yes, I think I'm going to go with you uh, and your uh, your criteria, which is kind of the acting. Um, mm. You know, as in like, because it's, I think you normally go by the... Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think he's normally yeah. the character. Yes, and I think he just, uh, he really had a, a chance to begin to like show stuff beyond the Doctor. And just these little moments. Um, you're really... And he conveyed it, I think, like, well, like not as a human experiencing, like as a hologram experiencing mm. human-like um, mm. Yes. I'm sometimes quite uh, mean about actors, but they do. <laughs> good ones are very good. I couldn't do what they do for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. So, wow, we were so quick. I, was, I mm. think uh, I might have rushed through that because I was just like a bit confused. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we will be back in the new year, right, guys? With uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, very we good. Need to go where you know ninety-five percent of podcasts continue not going, even when they're trying yes. to play catch up to us. Consistency is key, dear listener. <laughs> I mean, this is a bad time to say that, as we've sort of pushed this off three times due to COVID and various other uh, unrelated things. But oh my yes, gosh. Everyone consistency has is key, and always use protection, listeners. I forgot. I stood actually. Saw, I just saw the start of the. Sorry, Jamie. I just completely lost <laughs> 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 Moving on. Moving on. Yes, it's New Year's. It's New Year's. Use protection. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I didn't say anything of the sort. What are you talking about, Red? Why would you sexualize this content? And I... <laughs> You're in a hologram, Red. It's none of it's real. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did say that, and I just gaslit you slightly. I do beg your pardon. Oh. When I say in a hologram, that's not right at all, is it? In a holoprogram. No, 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 I think it's the same when thing. say in a hologram, it's... Uh, anyway, well, theoretically, can't. a holoprogram is all... Hologram. So if no. you're in a hologram, yeah. I mean, I refer to stuff like holocore, holomatrix. I didn't know what I was talking about, so I'm sure I got it wrong. <laughs> um, great. Well, we'll be back in the new year. Have a merry yeah. Christmas and festive holiday yeah. season. Feliz Navidad, feliz Navidad. Te deseamos prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad, feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. And on that note, goodbye.